Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to this beautiful Friday. Hey, here's what I want you to do to, to do this morning. Go get your coffee. Put your cream in it. Go get your virtual donut. Sit down at the kitchen table or maybe out on your back deck. And I want you to listen to today's program. And I want you to get your mind just relaxed and settled. Today I'm presenting to you a sermon by a good, wonderful pastor friend of mine, Russ Dizdar. Russ Dizdar has not only been a pastor, but also a friend, a true servant of God. And I just want to kind of kind of give him a little bit of an honor today. Have you ever met someone that has been a mentor to you or has been so full of the Holy Spirit, Christ? And by that mean, I, if there's one guy that throughout my life who has challenged me, spiritually challenged me, spiritually has prayed for me and uh, well many people have so I don't want it to uh, belittle everybody's you know influence my life but Russ has just been an influence on my life I guess to say you know shortly Russ has been one of the major influences on my life spiritually I've never met a man more red than Russ Dizdar the thousands and thousands and thousands of books that he's read. And but one book that I know that he's true to is the Word of God. And Russ was my pastor for about 13 years, I believe. Um, he's been a friend to me and Dixie, him and Shelly, his lovely wife Shelly. They've just been special people throughout our life. And I've always been there for us. And uh, Russ is just one committed person to the gospel of Christ. And I wanted to kind of do a throwback. This was probably back in the 90s. 90s, maybe early 2000s, but probably the 90s. Um, I want to pray, uh, uh, play a sermon for you from way back when. And I believe it was entitled... Do you want to live forever? And like I say, Russ wouldn't like me to say in honor of him because Russ is all about the gospel. But this is just a kind of a thank you um, to my friend Russ. And, uh, and I, I want you to hear him bring the gospel out in this sermon. So sit back, relax, and... This morning, Gospel of John, chapter 11, five questions simply today, five questions, five questions. Question number one, do you want to live forever? Anybody want to answer that? Do you want to live forever? Now listen, this is, this is the chapter that deals with Lazarus and his death. 
You know, Lazarus was a brother and he had sisters and there was mourning and there was tears. He had died and uh, Jesus did not get there for about four days. And this is the chapter that deals with that. And prior to him raising Lazarus out of the tomb, demonstrating his power over death, demonstrating the power of God over death, Jesus says these words. Go down to verse 35. Famous words at every funeral that we hear about. Famous words for, for things that have been going on. The memorial yesterday for Jessica Lunsford and uh, the thousands that went there to see her uh, and, and listen and, and memorialize her life. These are the words Jesus said. These are famous words spoken in other languages around the world. At grave sites everywhere. Hundreds of them that I've been to. These are the words of Jesus Christ. I am the resurrection and I am the life. He who believes in me will live even though he, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he's asking the individuals, the ones that are mourning, they just felt the loss, you know, of a brother. And that Lazarus has been dead and wrapped and all the stuff was done. But yet Jesus came to demonstrate. He demonstrated his power of a nature and he walked on the water and he stilled all the storms over sin because he forgave sin in an instant. Over sickness and death and over demons and everything else. And in this chapter, before his death and resurrection, he's going to demonstrate his power over death itself. Do you want to live forever? Tremendous question. I mean, stand on the street corner sometime and begin to ask people that. In an elevator sometime, just, just open up with the question, how y'all doing today? Does anybody want to live forever? And uh, listen to the response. My wife, when she said, to, she went over to see my um, one aunt that we've been praying for for years. She's in her 80s right now. And she said to, to my aunt, she said, do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? You know, and, and where you're going to go and spend eternity? And my aunt in her 80s, not churched in her, at all in her life, told my wife, yes, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And uh, so she shared the gospel and shared Jesus and shared he who died and rose. And my aunt received Christ a few months ago and accepted the Lord Jesus in her life. Well, let me tell you another story that I have from years ago. And it just kind of blew me away as a kid, not as a kid, but, but as a son of, uh, of my mother. She flew in from California. We were together driving around Akron. And she wanted to show me some of the old spots that she used to go to. And she took me to the home that she, when she was just a little child where she was raised. And she was telling me about all the difficulties in life and how her mother and father were separated. And every day from school, she would walk past her daddy's house and see her dad and stop to see him. That she loved, that, that her dad was everything to her. Her dad one time came by the house and uh, not to make the story long, but short, uh, a man on the street shot and killed him on the street. And my mother told me that after that and after the funeral, because I said, how'd you get over that? How'd you get over something that big in your life? She says, well, she says, in those days I went to church and I had a belief in heaven and, and I would take little messages on a weekly basis and I'd write little notes to my dad. I would roll them up, take them to the furnace where the fires were in, my, in, our, in our house, in our old furnaces, and I would throw it in there and it would burn up. And I believed that the message would go up and reach my daddy in heaven. And that's what kept my heart open, knowing that he was alive. And that's a per pretty amazing thing for a little girl. 
Do you want to live forever? Jesus right now is dealing with the subject in front of Lazarus. Let's ask Terry Schiavo whether she wants to live forever. 15 years in this vegetative state. You know, the country is in a tremendous upheaval over whether they should pull the plug or whether they should put it back in and all the, the courts and Congress and the president, everybody over the life of an individual. And if you asked her, now, of course, you wouldn't want to live in that state, but would you want to live forever? In the, in the context of scripture, with God in an eternal body. Yes, of course you would. Let me tell you something. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, let me just read it to you, unless you want to turn there also, chapter 1, Revelation. These are the words that are really striking and should be spoken uh, to the dead men walking on death's row. They should hear these words of Jesus. The man that died in a car crash this last week. The, the security guard that was shot over at the car lot the other day. The 17 that died in the explosion out in Texas. The hundreds and thousands that died in the tsunami. The soldiers that are, that are hunkering down, you know, hoping and praying they do not get shot and die in a, in, a, in a foreign land. The parents of Jessica Lunsford and now little, uh, uh, um, I believe her name is Josetta Gage that was 10 years old she was just found yesterday and she was also killed by another crazy out there well these are the words of Jesus 50 years after his death after his resurrection 50 years by the way the scriptures old and new testament speak about the resurrection over 300 times it's a major factor in Scripture in the Old Testament, in its predictions, and clearly in the New Testament. These are the words for those who want to live forever. Listen to the words. Down in verse 17, John says, And I saw him. I saw him. Fifty years later, I saw him. I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. These are the words of Jesus. I was dead. Been there, done that. I was dead. But behold, I'm alive forever and ever. Ever and ever. Ever and ever. This is everlasting life. We're living in the temporal. This is everlasting. This is forever. Do you want to live forever? And uh, that would be a tremendous question to ask family members and those that, that maybe even be, uh, be at the, the, the edge of death, at a hospice, the cancer ward, an aged one that is waiting for that day. Do you want to live forever? Jesus said, not only am I the resurrection life, I was dead. Now I'm alive forever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. And he can grant eternal life. And all of us here who've received Christ, we've been granted eternal life. You're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. You're going to have his presence now. The spirit of God in your life right now is the testimony of what's to come. You're going to live forever. But the second question, second question is, what kind of body do you want? Now, you think about it right now in your life. And, you, you know, if someone says, you know, what kind of body do you want? There is plastic surgery out there. There is lipo. There's Botox. Diets, man, billions of dollars on all the greasy foods, and then billions of dollars on all the slim fast. We run, we pump iron, we do this, we take pills. 
and this physical body that we have, it is vulnerable. It's vulnerable. Jessica's body was vulnerable. Gisetta's body was vulnerable. You know, the bodies of those who died in the explosion, vulnerable. The aged ones getting up there in age, you know, the vulnerable. Our bodies are very vulnerable. These bodies here, according to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, is described as, as, as perishable. We're corruptible. These bodies are dying and aging, and there's not a thing we can do about it. As I said sometime, I think last week even, that everybody who's died 150 years ago, man, all their bodies, they're all gone from the face of the earth. And you and I now are carrying on civilization. But if you're going to live forever, what kind of body is it going to be? Now listen, I don't know about you, but when it comes down to the area of bodies, I mean, even Lazarus, when he was brought out of the tomb, that wasn't the glorified body. That was once again, the temporal body that was raised up to life again. Lazarus was going to die again. But there's going to come a point in our history as even believers that we shall, listen, you know what the Bible says? That we're, our bodies will be incorruptible, indestructible. When you study through 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the second half, there's a tremendous discussion. There's a flash, the Greek word being used like an atomic flash, a, a flash so quick, it's faster than a twinkling of an eye, that we will be changed. And what is mortal will put on immortality. What is perishable shall now become imperishable and indestructible. You imagine that? In Listen, glorified bodies, listen... Your body will course with eternal power, eternal life. Your body's coursing right now with this thing we call aging, and it's moving along. And I visited my aunt yesterday, another aunt yesterday, and she's been on the prayer mat for 25, 26 years too. And as we visited her, and it's so hard to share with her, who she, I, I tried and tried in the past. And so we kept her on the prayer map and kept her on the prayer map and kept her on the prayer map. Went to her house expecting that she's going to say, I don't, I don't want to talk about that here. Expecting her to do that to me again. So as we sat there and began to talk a little bit and uh, I'm praying inside, how am I going to get to it? How am I going to share? How am I going to tell her? How am I going to lead her? She seems just as hardcore as my dad was. And that was, his, this is her sister. This is his sister. And she's got a breathing machine on and the tube's going and she doesn't leave the home. And I love her and I looked at her and I seen that and as I hugged that frail, frail body. Somehow the issue of heaven came up and life came up and God came up and out of her mouth comes. Yes, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love Jesus. I love him every day. I talk to him every day. And my wig fell off and my ears fell to the ground and I had to pick up my mouth. My nose. I had to put myself back together. I expected something totally different. I'm thinking I'm going to do everything I can today by the, by, by the, by just asking Jesus help us to lead her to the Lord. Somehow watching television and watching the programs, watching Joel Olstein and others that she knew about on television. And uh, somehow along the way, because I shared the testimony of my dad, how her brother got saved and accepted Christ in the last six months of his life. And how her, I said, I said to her, I said, remember your own mother, my grandmother. I said, remember, I tried to tell you before about how she got saved one year before she died and how she how she taped everything in the house, every knickknack, everything and put names because God visited her and said, this is her last year after she got saved. 
And she remembered that. And I told her face to face that grandmother's in heaven, that her brother now is in heaven. And, uh, and, and I, said, I said to her, I said, then have you accepted Jesus Christ in your life and prayed that he would come into your life? She said, yes. And I'm telling you what, it was like the easiest evangelistic afternoon I've had in my life. She got saved before we got there. So don't give up. Don't give up on your prayers. Keep them in prayers and keep them in prayer. I mean, here's a house. I mean, just she never leaves the home. And I thought hardcore would never consider even listening to me again. But we wanted to go again and wanted to go to my cousin and my other cousin. We went to another cousin's house and another cousin's house that day because we wanted to share. And uh, when she told me that, I, I'm serious. I, I, I could not. I, almost, I, just, I just I was overcome with emotion. Like the scripture, when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. And so I encouraged her a little bit and shared with her. And, 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 and she just needs a little bit of scripture too to, to give her foundation and to let her know. And, and I prayed, put my hands on her, Kevin, and I prayed for her. And I want to see out of her life a testimony come. See, years ago when my mother, I thought we thought she's going to die. And uh, Charity helped lead my mother to Christ. My mother got healed and is still around years later now. Strong in her church, trying to witness to the rest of the family so that we're seeing the fruit of that life come out of her life. My mom just had these four punctures in, the, in her back and checking her lungs and part of her lungs are not working and some are. And she's my brother called me a week ago and said, said, I better send you a ticket. You better come out here. Because you might not be able to see her again. Well, he doesn't know exactly what I know. And uh, I would see her again, even if it occurred, you know, without me being there in California. See, that's the power of the resurrection. What we understand is, you know, the, the body being vulnerable and dying and all the things that occur to us. I mean, the, the people in Africa need to know millions dying in the, in the area of AIDS. And so these bodies are dying in, in this fallen world. Jesus Christ cuts through the whole of this world. Bible says this is, or someone has said this is the wood between the worlds, the cross. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And you and I've got a message, a message of power, a message of grace, a message of the love of God. And we take it to individuals. Do you want to live forever? It's found in Christ. Do you want a body that courses with eternal power and indestructible? It is found in Christ. He is risen. And so there's much to celebrate in our lives as believers. Third question. Do you want to be in a new place? I mean, listen, some of us, you know, might want to be out of our apartments into homes or out of your home into a different one. Out of one area of the country to another area of the country. Dr. Martin Boyd wrote me the other day again. You know what he told me? Some of you know Dr. Marty Boyd. He, he said he said he can't wait, get, wait, can't wait to get back to Florida. Dr. Martin Boyd, when he was here with us years ago, in the summertime in the 80s, when we had outdoor picnics in the 80s in humidity, he would wear his full suit. And he'd say, if only it was 10 degrees hotter. Now, I don't know if he's crazy. He hates the cold. But he wrote me the other day again saying how happy he is going to move from the Carolinas to, to Florida again and how hot and muggy and sweaty it's going to be. 
Well, I like the words of Jesus better in John's gospel, chapter 14. He says also to us about not being afraid, you know, that that we're to trust in God, trust in him also in my father's house are many rooms. Three times, he says, then a new place, a new place, a new place. He describes in very limited detail there that there is a new place. I am going to prepare a place. I'm going to come back again and take you to be with me at that place. You know the way to that place. John 14, a place. It's a new world. The cross and the death and the resurrection speak of a new world. The heavens will be new. The earth will be new. And, and, and this is spoken about throughout Scripture, and, 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 and we're given details of it in John's Gospel, in the book of Revelation also. Now, listen, this is where the rubber meets the road, though. Jesus Christ is up on the cross, and he's dying. Next to him is two thieves. This is the epitome of humankind. One thief is making fun and blaspheming and everything else. And the other thief up there for his crimes cries out to him, acknowledges him, and calls him Lord. Now listen, you cannot forget the words Jesus spoke to that man. To the one that believed. Remember we see it in Luke or in John's Gospel 11? I am the resurrection and the life. Anybody that believes in me, they're going to live. Though he dies, they're going to live forever. Do you want to live forever? Do you want a new body? Do you want a new place? A new place? Let me ask you something. Is this the place you want to stay for the rest of your lives in a fallen world where, where tectonic plates shift and oceans move and hundreds of thousands die? Is this the kind of place, you know, you really want to live, you know, where there's Jessica Lunford is, is taken and killed and wars in Iraq and Iran is building nuclear weapons and North Korea is building it? When has man ever stopped the presence of evil on the face of the earth? When has man ever been able to bring about utopia on the face of the earth? Will the earth end in a great ice age? Maybe a comet coming from outer space, striking the earth. I mean, scientists are calculating it. They're looking over the possibilities of what would occur. Maybe it will be a nuclear war and a wiping out. This is all the speculation of man. The Bible speaks about the end and great destruction before the very, very end. But it's the end of the old order, a fallen order, a broken order. I don't want to be given eternal life in a brand new body and thrust into this fallen world to live. The, the, new, the new order that where we're going to live forever with a new body coursing with eternity is going to be in a new place. And Jesus Christ, in, in the midst of his death and resurrection, purchased for us the rights to that new place. The home of the righteous, Peter calls it. And that's a new place forever. You might be getting used to here. Some people fight and squeeze out every ounce of year and minute in life to stay here. But I think a second on the other side, with all of its power and all of its glory and all of its strength, I think that once we're thrust as redeemed, glorified beings into the new heaven and the new earth. The thousand millennium is over and we're going to be, you know, thrust into the eternal kingdom. A place, vast, massive, billions of times larger than the earth. Incredible. Trillions of angels. That's the place. And Jesus said to the man dying on the cross, who called him Lord, comforting him with words of reality, 
He'd already raised Lazarus from the dead. In a few days, he's going to be raised from the dead himself. He says to this man right here, Today, you will be with me in paradise. These are the words of God on the cross. Spoken to a dying, dying man who had sinned and, and committed his crimes. Now forgiven. The sheer grace of the Christ on the cross. Taking care of everything. You see, at the cross, all sin was judged. All judgment was leveled at the cross and at Christ. Death and hell and Hades, everything judged and dealt with at the cross. He did that at the cross so that he has the authority to say to a man, Today you will be with me in paradise. And that's the word that describes the place God's going to take us to and preparing for us. And you're a believer, and you've believed in the Lord, and you know you've sinned, and you know even while along the way we've messed up and done things in our lives, we trust in the grace of Christ, who not only made you feel better, but listen, going to enable you to live forever, eternal body, eternal place, paradise. Amen? Amen. He is risen. Hallelujah. Question number four. Do you want, listen, do you want to see the face of God? Listen, I'm looking right now at faces that I've known some for many years. Some for many years. I was talking to my aunt yesterday as we were talking. And I said, you know, my mom gave me films. I got little 16 millimeter films, little, little rolls of them this big. And she gave me the old um, projector also. And they're all about when we were little, my cousins, my aunts, my uncle, all of, all of them. It's all about 45, 50 years ago. And you would see me, Pastor Rush, you know, this big and this big and this big. You'd see pictures. I mean, if you got to see these, this, you, this would be incredible. Popcorn, you know, you'd want to bring pop. You'd want to, you, you're going to laugh. I, I, it'd be a roast, wouldn't it? It'd be a roast. You'd roast me. And as I sat in her house here in Ellet yesterday, I remembered when I was six and five, you know, seven and eight years old. I remembered in that same house she's been living in all these years. I remember hiding in the cupboards. I, I, I couldn't get my head in some of those cupboards now. But I remember hiding as a little kid. I remember doing little dramas, standing up before her. All the things that we did. I look at the faces of those who are gone. And you know what? It all comes back again to reality, to hope. What's it all about? And the Bible says, God so loved the world. Now again, let it strike you today. God so loved the world. God loved us. God, the intensity of love. Now you and I look at the world sometimes and we think, man, it is crazy. Some crazy man stole a nine-year-old out of her bedroom, kept her for two days, did things to her, and killed her and buried her. And it all began at the moment of the fall of the human race, and Cain killed his brother Abel and buried him also. It's about what we've done. It's about the fall of the human race. It's about the mess that we're in. It's about not God not walking in the cool of the day as he did in the beginning of creation. It's about our being blinded and not seeing us. It's about the lies. God loves us. God loves us. God loves us. 
And not only does he send his son into the world, the only one like him, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and do what he did. No other resurrection, no other death, no other cross, no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. God gave us the answer. And all because God loved us. When my child was little, there's times I thought, wouldn't it be great just to have her being four years old all, at all times? But then she's five, I think, no, this is great. Wouldn't she's five be great to have her at five all these years? Well, she's six, that's really great. And then each year, each year, seeing that little face, seeing your faces. Let me ask you something. Do you want to see the face of the God that you have felt his love? You have heard his voice. You have felt his power. You've seen him minister in your life. It's not just about forever or even an eternal body or even in a really cool place. It is about embracing God and seeing God eyeball to eyeball. It is about being able to look at God, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. And we shall see him face to face. Someone said in the hallway, I think it was this week, I can't wait to see his face. I can't wait to see his face. Many times I've flown out to California over 30 times, you know, as my parents moved out there to see my mom, see my dad, see my brothers and others. And uh, I can remember many times getting off the plane, especially in my 20s. When I'm getting off a plane, looking to the crowd, seeing an eager mother looking. And I'm 22 years old, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and there she is, you know. One year she came with a little sign, you know, had her son's name on it. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell you the nickname. Nope. Nope. It's almost slipped out. And she had it there. And uh, you know how your mom, they don't care. You're, you could be 22, 30. I, I could be 40. She wants to stop me and take pictures of me anywhere. I'm 40 years here. Posed by the, um, the big boy at the big boy. Posed by the little man there. You know, go to Indian town. Stand next to the Indian. I did that when I was five. But she wanted to, she couldn't wait to see my face coming through, through, through that crowd after the plane. And there's a mother. There's a father down in Florida that was waiting to see the, his, the face of his daughter. Remember when he said, Jessica's home now? Referring to heaven. She's home now and no one will ever be able to do this again. And see, that is the, is the uncompromising and, and incredible truth that you and I hold in Christ. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And seeing God face to face... If we didn't have eternal hair, you know, wigs or whatever it is that we're going to have, they would surely blow off. Talk about a concert when, when God begins to speak. The Bible says it's like peals of thunder, like the sound of rushing water. Yet this is the father that is going to look at us that loved us enough while in the midst of our mess to send what he loved the most. The eternal son of God and gave him. Now listen, if you've ever read John 3.16, you know what that verse is all about. When it says, for God so loved. Can you get the picture? He's so loved. Fallen world. Broken world. Messed up world. He so loved it. That he would, listen, it doesn't just say sin. It says he gave. It's a particular Greek word where he gave up with a purpose. 
as a replacement. Christ on the cross for you and I to obtain us back. To get us back. Sheriffs and hundreds of people, law enforcements, everybody went looking for a Jessica Lunsford. They went searching through the fields and all over the place. Pictures everywhere there, searching and searching and searching and searching and searching. That's what the Bible tells us about God. Searching and searching and searching and searching. I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Remember in the very beginning, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. Adam had sinned in, in shame and in that fall had ran, run and, and hidden himself. Didn't even know what was going on. To see the face of God, Revelation 20, verse 4. Do you want to see that face? I think I do. I think it's going to be amazing to look up and to see. I think it's going to be astounding to see the source of all that is. Who in his own heart decided, I must send my son to redeem them. Do you want to live forever? Great questions we can ask people. What about your body? What about the place? What about God face to face? But it brings us back to living here right here now. I mean, we're going to leave the building in a few minutes here and, and uh, go out probably to eat and do all the things that we do on a day like this. Some of us are needing to take you know, certain pills and see doctors during the week. And this is a fallen world that we live in. The fifth question. It's related to, again, Revelation 20, verse 4. Fifth question is this. Uh, do you want to see an end to the hellishness of life? Do you want to see an end? You know how many times I heard on the, rate, on the television in the last week or so, we've got to put an end referring to sexual predators and you know, killing of children. And so we got to put an end to this. We got to put an end to war. We got to put an end to disease. We got to put an end to poverty. We got to put an end to this. We got to put an end to all these things that we can, we can mention the evils of life. We got to put it into it. Mankind's been trying to put an end to it all these years, all these generations, ever since the fall, put an end to it, put an end to it. You know, God said to, to Cain in the very beginning, sin, you know, is crouching at the door. See that it doesn't master you. It's ready to get you. And it got him and he stepped out in it and he killed his own brother and buried him in the ground. First murder of the human race because the God of this age had taken legal authority and murder came in my grandmother my other grandmother 80 83 years old this is the little grandmother was a little partier all her life wasn't the same kind of music i listened to and even when i was a high school student and not saved and i would have to go on saturdays to uh, take my grandmother to get her groceries she'd always make me stop at wolf's boogers to get a highball down there in old South Akron. So every Saturday I have to take her over there. And she's got to get her, her alcohol and, and drink her one drink. Because that was her memories all her life. You know, 80 years. You know, you know, her life was partying and drinking and going from man to man and all the stuff. And because of her, my mama's dad was shot and killed. 
So grandmother, when it came to her point in life to where she had this bone disease that shrunk her over a foot, by the end of her life, she was about four foot four because she had so shrunken over down because of the, the bone disease. She had fallen down once and broken a hip. Right after getting a letter from Oral Roberts saying, today you're going to be blessed. She got so mad at Oral Roberts. She read that in the thing, today you're going to be blessed. She broke her hip. She wouldn't read anything from Oral Roberts any longer. And when she's getting her hip back a little bit and she had a walker, she fell down using the walker and broke the other hip. And had to have pins put in that one. Then she fell down and broke her collar bone. And uh, then she couldn't see anything, so she had the old cataract, you know, eye surgery on one, and then all the old, you know, where they do this stuff with cataracts. My grandmother's favorite word for all of pain in life, and I don't remember cussing, but I remember her always saying, fiddlesticks. She fell down and broke a hip, fiddlesticks. You know, if she broke a collarbone, fiddlesticks. And when my mom and dad all broke up and everything went on and my mom, my grandmother had no place to go and she's living in one place. Uh, I went to see her and there was no one caring for her. And, and uh, we had to, as a brand new married man, I had to talk to my wife and see. And she said, yes, of course. So we had to go get my grandmother and bring her to our little apartment. And uh, she could not even walk. So we put her in a, ro a wooden wa rocking chair and we would grab the sides of the chair to carry her around the house. <laughs> carry her upstairs. Make her food for her and everything else. And she was the orneriest. And she was somewhat the meanest of people too. Okay? Until Shelly got in there ministering to her. And Shelly got in there and ministering to her and ministering to her and ministering to her and sharing with her. I remember one day I was talking about heaven and hell with my grandmother. She goes, Russell, I'm in hell right now. I said, Grandma, you're not in hell. It might be the hellishness of life, but you're not in hell because you still have a chance. And Shelly led my 83-year-old grandmother to Christ up there in our little apartment. And then my mom out in California got her a, a nursing home place, a care place to do all the stuff she needed. So in the end, during a, a winter storm in January, and she was terrified, I had to pick my little grandmother up in my arms and carry her out to my car, put her in the car, drive her to Akron Canton Airport, put her on a plane. I wheeled her onto the plane and got her in a seat. She goes, am I in the plane? I said, yeah. She said, I thought we had to go out there and walk. You know how the old planes did and propellers? I said, it doesn't even got propellers, Grandma. Sent her out to California and not too much longer she died. And my mom called me and said, Grandma's died and in her will she wanted to be cremated. But she has a grave site back there in the Akron area, so we're, we're shipping her back. She said, call the uh, funeral place down there or the, or the cemetery down there and, and find out, you know, if they've got her yet and go down there and, and you can have a little service or whatever also. So I called the funeral place and they said, sir, your grandmother's not here. And I called back the next day and I said, is, is, is my grandmother arrived? And I gave the name. And said, no, she hasn't arrived yet. So I called back again. This was kind of becoming Cheech and Chonish. Chonish, you know, just kind of, I would call, it's like that, that, that little thing he does, Dave's not here. <laughs> so I called again. Is my grandmother there? It's around the 4th of July time at, at this point. And, and uh, he said, sir, they finally told me, we lost her in the mail. I said, you lost her? He said, we lost her. I said, you lost her? She said, I, we lost her. I said, where's she at? We lost her. Where'd you lose her? I don't know if we knew we'd find her. 
And right then I thought, I can almost hear, fiddlesticks! <laughs> they finally found my grandmother. And I went in a little box and they buried her over here in Akron and she's been there ever since. Physical body and all of that burned up bones and everything in there. But when she died, and according to the power and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, because she needed grace like the man on the cross. Man, I tell you that right now. She needed grace like him. She made it in the last couple of years of her life. Can you imagine living 80 some years and not having the power of God, the presence of God, the love of God, the word of God, the fellowship of God, the kindness of God, the direction of God, the leading of God, the purpose of God in your life for 80 some years? No wonder she thought she was in hell. But when she got saved and when she accepted Christ, Jesus could say to her today or that day. He will be with me in paradise. That's astounding, folks. That's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the power of God that is operating in your life and his providence in his hand over your life. You trust him in that power. You trust him with everything in your life. And you step out. He is risen. Father, thank you this morning as we just have gathered here to see in the very beginning the drama of even Satan's work in the midst of it. The angels, the disciples, but the resurrected Christ. And so here today, Father, we have, we have set out to, to say we love you today, to exalt you today. As the scripture says, and we can say it today, in the sight of God, of Christ Jesus and the elect angels. Here's where we stand. In the hellishness of life, Jesus Christ can change things. In the flash, in a moment, in a new birth, when Christ comes into our lives, the peace of another world, another order comes into our lives. The peace of heaven enters in new life. It's the touch of what is to come. The Bible says it's only a taste. You're only simply tasting. You haven't got to the meal But what you taste right now declares infallibly that you shall see and experience fully. Someday you and I will be in paradise forever, an eternal body forever, a new place changed forever, the face of God, hell, sin, death, judgment, crying, just like Revelation 20 verse 4, the next verse goes on to say that he, God himself wipes away every tear, no more crying, no more death, no more pain. It's all ended because of Jesus at the cross. That one event, it is the good news that blasts into this world of hopelessness and depression, suicide and emptiness and violence. It is the message of healing, the message of eternity, the message of life, the message that God wants to get to us. And if you've gotten got by God, he's in your life and you've got the message. You've got the life. If you're here today for some reason and you don't know Jesus Christ, he loves you and you need to come today. God wants you to come right now and give your life to Jesus and let him come into your life. Father, we pray today for your power.
It's not too late.